This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, welcome again. If, you are, um, if you're visiting with us, uh, we thank you so much uh, for, for joining us at Harvest this morning. We are a, we are a church family, that um, part of the body of Christ, just a small expression of the body of Christ. We, we just simply love God and we love people what it's all about, right? And um, we just invite you to make yourself at home and, um, and to, to jump in. And uh, we believe that God has something for you today. Our vision here at Harvest is to make followers of Jesus, to grow followers of Jesus, and to equip followers of Jesus. Amen? Amen. To fulfill their God-given purpose in life. We do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. Isn't that right? Yep. So that's where we're moving. That's where we're going. But I uh, I guess, uh, I, I think I, I said at the beginning, but uh, guys, happy new year. It is incredible to believe that it is 2021. And uh, I don't know what comes to mind when you say that and when you think of that, but guys, I think of another opportunity to be in the middle of what God's doing in the earth. I don't care when it is and what's going on, I want to be in the middle of it. And I hope that you do too. It is a time of opportunity. Amen? So with that said, guys, this is, this is going to be very different. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly where this is going. <laughs> uh, the Lord laid a lot of things on my heart as I've been the last couple of months praying. I've had so many thoughts going through my heart and my mind, and I've been working for weeks to get, kind of get it put down, and I've written pages of notes, and every time I've gone over it this week, it's been, it's been different. So let's see what happens, okay? Guys, 2020 was some year, yeah? Some year. And um, I think at times it brought out the worst in folks. But I saw, too, that at times it brought out the best as well. A lot of things were brought into perspective for me, and I don't know if they were for you. And I'm still processing a lot of things. And look, we're still in the middle of it. January 1st didn't change things in the world, right? I'm still processing what God is doing. When I think about the church, one of the things that, that really hit me that I really, I, I kind of knew, but I really became aware of through 2020 was kind of the complacency of the body of Christ. I think that for so long we have settled for the same old, same old. Busy, busy, busy life. Busy, busy, busy life. Can't slow down, can't slow down. Working five, six, seven days a week. Uh, kids got to get to a game. My husband's got this, and I got this. Well, you know, hopefully we can make it to church once every week or two. And, and, you know, how many of you been there, done that? And I think even when it comes to the church, and, I, and look, I'm going to talk a lot about the church today, and I'm not necessarily just talking about Church of the Harvest. I, I am more referring to the church in America but also, obviously, the universal church worldwide. But I think, too, you know, as the church, we in many ways settled for a good service on Sunday. That was a great service, Pastor. Amen. And the other six and a half days, we go on about our life, hardly giving God another thought, not thinking about what he's called us to, not thinking about our mission, just trying to get through our list of to-dos. 
just trying to get it done and hopefully get back through the doors of church on Sunday morning. Living life without much of a purpose. I just started making a list of moments of thought things I thought of in 2020. Hopefully in 2020, you had those moments, those moments where you had to slow down. How many of you had those? There was just nowhere to go. Nothing was open. We was at home, right? And it was really sad to me how many people I would talk to that say, I'm so sick of this. I just, my kids are making me pull my hair out. I just wish they'd go back to school and I'm ready for this to be over. And I'll be honest with you guys. I, I have moments I cherish from 2020. <laughs> I didn't think I would have another opportunity like I had in 2020 because I had two girls off at school, had a son a year, year and a half away from graduating. We have a hard time ever getting together for a meal. Come spring break, everybody was home with nowhere to go. <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> Guys, we, we played games. And we, we shared meals together more than we probably had in two or three years combined. And we went for walks, and we watched movies. And Sean and I dug into the Word and prayed together like never before. Man, I don't know about you, but I cherish it. Wow, what a moment. It brought a lot of things into perspective. Hopefully, you had a moment to slow down and remember what was really important. It's people. God, family, people. Hopefully, if you're like me, you're reminded in 2020 that the physical is temporary. It's temporary. What we have in a moment can disappear in the next moment. The things that we cherish in this physical life, maybe even our freedom as Americans, it is not promised. It's not. Hopefully, you're reminded of the fact now let's think about the church. That buildings, property, they're temporary as well. Really, they're tools. Great tools. I'm thankful. But they can disappear in a moment too. They can be taken away. Hopefully you're reminded of the fact, since I said it about a thousand times, that God's mandate for the church, somebody say he's talking about me again, God's mandate for the church didn't change. God didn't get off course. He didn't have to go to plan B. He didn't have to detour. That plan we talked about last year through the story was still trucking forward step by step. There wasn't a stutter. Hopefully you were reminded of that. As we came into 2020, I was thinking if I can talk real personally here for just a moment, I... Shauna and I had been lead pastors of Harvest for one year as we came into 2020, as, as we came into 2020, January 2020. And 2019 was a great year, guys. 
Church transitions generally aren't known for going real smoothly. And I don't know how many people ask me in 2019, how's it going, brother? I think, great, awesome, best year ever. 2019 was smooth sailing. Some of you remember my friend uh, Rob Brewer. He used to be a pastor at Gateway there with Robert Morris. He's now an adjunct professor at King's University at um, Jack Hayford's school. And he asked last year that same question. He was going through a bit of a rough year, and he asked the same question. He goes, how are things going? What's going on? And I told him, I said, man, it's awesome, better than we could have ever dreamed, just God's favor. And he said, cherish it. <laughs> he said, don't miss. He said, God gives us moments to stop and to take a breather and to relax and to get strengthened and get refreshed. And, of course, in the moment, you don't think that. You're like, yes, amen, brother, yes. And little did we know what January what was right around the corner in January of 2020. Little did we know. One year ago, Sean and I had been lead pastors for one year. We had been in ministry for 25 years together. And since 1995, and, and I think one year ago, we would have said that we've seen a little bit of everything. Yeah, we know how church works. We've, we've, we've been around the block a time or 10, you know, right? And reality, we've been to so many churches and conferences and read so many books and listened to so many messages and been to so many conferences on, on church leadership and growth and culture and structure and, and all these different things. And we've observed and been a part of different moves of God, specifically within the Spirit-filled church and, you know, and that kind of thing. So in January, we come out of this great year. We're excited to launch the story, right? How many of you enjoyed the story? The initiative to leave the church through the Bible in a year. And let me tell you something you didn't know. By February, um, my health took a bad turn. Oh, so you didn't know that. I, I don't know if anybody in this room besides my family and my parents know that. It was tough. I was dealing with um, um, a thyroid issue and, um, and, and ulcerative colitis uh, attack. Bad, bad. And, and um, it was, uh, it, it, it was really tough. And some of you, I, I had to say something because of different things that, that happened, but, but things got rough. And that started in February. And so I was just seeing, I was just praying and, you know, seeing where that went. And some of you know that I have a side business. And uh, in, by March, by mid-March, um, I was in Kentucky on a, um, on a, on a job there. And, uh, and Sean went with me. She kind of wanted to get away. She also knew I was not doing well. And, uh, and so she was there with me for a couple of days in Kentucky and, uh, this customer that I was working for walked in and he made a comment and he goes, man, the stock market took a hit today. I said, really? He goes, yeah, it's that crazy new virus. It's the first time I heard of that crazy new virus, COVID-19. And so, um, you guys know that was mid-March and y'all know what happened from that point. Um, my health issues did not, begin to, uh, did not begin to improve for three months. Um, guys, I had a hard time getting out of the bed. It was, uh, it was my main focus each week was to get here and, uh, and do the live stream service and share the word the Lord had given that week. So for about three months that went on, Sean and I are praying and seeking the Lord like never before. The doors of the church were closed 
And uh, we were flying by the seat of our ever-loving pants, right? And um, most of you probably remember that we finally set a date to reopen. And, um, and this was in May. I'm beginning. Things are improving and in, in my body and my health. And the week before reopening, y'all probably remember, our family was exposed to my grandfather who tested COVID, positive for COVID-19. And so we missed the opening service, reopening service at the doors. Like, whatever, right? Just another thing. We were also supposed to leave for Florida on vacation the next day. Not, right? So, um, but it was okay. We actually, some of you may remember, again, I, I hope that was a testimony to you because if you remember those days that we were quarantined at home, some of you remember the days that we took videos and pictures and we just did silly stuff together. And some of you dropped by and dropped off gift, gift bags. And it was Madison's birthday was one of them, June 1st. And, and Christian stopped by and, and dropped wherever she is and dropped off a birthday cake on our front porch, rang the doorbell and ran. And we didn't know. Like, what? And there's a birthday cake sitting there on the doorstep. I cherish it, guys. Yeah, we wanted to be in Florida, but, you know, hey, we were, we were together, Right? From that point onward, my health was improving and I was getting stronger and the Lord was leading and directing us as we were going into summer and um, guys, we just saw the Lord's favor and we cruised right on through the rest of the year. And I just wanted, I just started making a list. Guys, I am proud of our church family in 2020. I am proud. I started making a list. I think in many ways, we were more united than we had ever been before. I think that I was so blessed because folks were reaching out and checking on one another. We would get calls multiple times a week from somebody to say, hey, I'm at the store and they'll let us buy this much meat. They just got meat in. There's meat. I'm going to buy this much meat, but I don't need it all. Who can I go bless with this meat? What a blessing. Or somebody call and say, I found toilet paper. You need some toilet paper? And we'd say, that family does. And so they'd go drop it off on a family's porch. We had some of you that would call and say, Lord just told me to, to sow $1,000 because there's some families that are in our church family that are losing jobs and need some help and assistance. And we'd say yes. And we were able to help and support every family that was struggling that we knew of. We were trying to check and trying to check on everybody and make sure we knew what was going on. And I, I, I don't have the numbers yet, but dozens, dozens of families that we were able to help. And some of you guys are here and, you know, it's an honor and privilege. What's family for? That's what family's for. The ministries that we supported monthly as a church, we knew they were taking a hit. Their income, a lot of them, some of their income sources dried up. Guys, in 2020, we were able to, again, increase the giving that we give to all those ministries monthly. We were able to increase it again. We didn't have to pull back. We were able to give more than we've ever given before to all those ministries that are reaching people all over the world. You guys were gracious and understanding where we were at and decisions that were having to be made at times. We focused on the story. If that wasn't a God thing in fall of 2019... For real. I look back at that and I, I was, I'd been for a couple of months in 2019, I was trying to figure out a way for us to go through the Bible and what that would look like. And, and I got presented with the story close to the end of the year. And I was like, that's it. And isn't it amazing how it kept us on the same page? Even the kids, it kept us on the same page through a year where for a quarter of the year, we couldn't even meet together. What better thing to unite us than God's word? 
And in that, I got so much fresh revelation from the Lord. And, and like I said, so many of my mindsets started shifting and changing, and, and they still are. Um, but um, there is no doubt that last year changed the church of Jesus Christ. And I think in many ways for the good. Of course, there's some negative effects, but I, I think for the good. And I, and I would present to you that I, I think that 2020 sped things up for the body of Christ. I think things escalated. I think it forced things to come to the surface. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's quickly pushing the body of Christ into a new season. And, you know, the church is now stopping. The body of Christ is stopping and examining who is it that we are in this world that we're living in today and what is it we're supposed to be doing. And as I thought about this, about how the body of Christ is moving into a new season, guys, I don't say that because it's New Year's. That's the message to teach on New Year's. I did it in 2019. January of 2019, I did a series right after the transition. The first series was Seasons. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but I, I, I remembered it earlier this week, and I went back in, and I went to the very first message, and, and I'm actually going to share a few of those points with you real quick because I want you to look at it. And think about where we were at in 2019, beginning of 2019, going through this, having no idea that one year later we would just be a few months away from the world kind of being turned upside down. That first week in 2019 when I did that, started that series on seasons, I gave you three points. I told you that new seasons bring change. Genesis 8.22, you guys know this. While the earth remains, seed time and what? Cold and summer and day shall not cease. What are these things? They're seasons, right? Seasons are one thing that we can count on in this physical life. We don't tend to like change because it brings the unusual and the different and the uncomfortable. And so we tend to try to resist it. But here's the thing about seasons and the thing about change is that it's inevitable. And try as we might to try to stop things from changing, which we do, yes, we try to hold back change. We don't want things to change. We try to stop it. Usually we make things worse when we do that. Things are going to change, right? That was the first thing I gave you. New seasons bring change. The second thing I gave you was new seasons bring challenges. How many of you can say, amen? And let me fall stage. Every season of your life, whether you consider it a good season or a bad season, is going to bring us challenges. The thing is, if you remember John 16, 33, Jesus promised that this life would, that you would encounter troubles of all kinds. That's not one of those promises we like to stand on. Yes, amen, praise the Lord, I stand on that promise in Jesus. We, we don't generally do that, right? But he promised that we would encounter troubles of all kinds. I encountered some new kinds this year, new kinds. So we can't pray that there's no challenges along the way. Maybe you've never thought of this, but it is not God's job to make sure that everything goes smoothly in your life. It's not God's job to necessarily bail you out every time things get a little difficult. It's not what he's there for. He promises that things in this life will be hard. 
I would present to you so hard sometimes that we're going to stop and wonder if we're going to make it and cry out to the Lord. Fiery trials. But in that same passage, what are the next words? He says, but take heart, for I have done what? I've overcome the world. So what's the thing that never changes? It's God, right? This is why we can stand firm in the midst of a world that's shifting and moving and changing. This is why we don't have to conform to the world. This is why we don't have to be moved and tossed around when the world throws things at us by surprise. This is why we can trust him and we can take him at his word because he's unchanging. He's unmoving. Does this make it easier? Does it make it easy? No. But it's in, uh, incredibly easier, infinitely easier than doing it without him. Day and night. As a matter of fact, it's so much easier that we can walk through the fiery trials of life with hope and, and with faith and with joy. New seasons bring change. New seasons bring challenges. The last thing I gave you in 2019 was new seasons bring fresh starts. So while seasons bring change and and while they bring challenge, they also bring new opportunities. They bring second chances. And I love that because that's the nature of who our God is. He's a God of second chances and fresh starts, and new opportunities. New seasons bring hope. But I thought about this. We've got to keep our eyes open to them. That's something I realized this year. We've got to keep our eyes open for the new opportunities. Because if all we do is look at the challenges and gripe and complain about them, then we will miss the new opportunities that God has laid out before us. Does this make sense? Isaiah 43, 19. You guys know this scripture, but let me read it from the ESV. Listen to it and think about the last year of your life. God speaking, he says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Are your eyes not open? Are you distracted? Are you griping and complaining? Woe is me. I'm doing a new thing. It springs forth. When does it say? Now. Now it springs forth. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. (laughs) Somebody should be hollering. Folks, I, I believe that we're, not because it's January of the year, I believe that we are in the middle of the change of seasons. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is coming to a new season. And that new season... We'll bring change, and it's going to bring more challenges, and it's going to bring new opportunities and fresh starts. Amen? And I've seen this, and if you look at those, new seasons, yep, if you look at those, you would say, we've really seen number one and number two over the last year, right? Lots of change and lots of challenges. I would present to you. Number three is here just as much. The new opportunities, they're right in front of us. We have got to make the decision to open our eyes and recognize what God is doing in our midst. Guys, I've heard people for this whole past year now talking about 
the coming next great move of God. Guys, I don't doubt it for a moment. Maybe not for the reasons that you think, but I don't doubt it for a moment. I've heard people praying. I've heard God, I've heard people begging God for revival. How many of you would like to see revival? You know, I thought about this. In the last few centuries, we've seen some different seasons in the church in America. There was a, what we would call a revival that lasted several decades in the 1800s. I think it's called the Second Great Awakening, I think it was called. It lasted through much of the 1800s. But you came to the end of the 1800s, and the Second Great Awakening began to wane. And realizing the, the America had just come through a, a, a terrible civil war, right? And um, slavery had been abolished, but its effects were far from over. The nation was trying to heal and recover and rebuild. And it was time for a new season. And by the end of the 1800s, coming into the 1900s, you began to see packet, pockets of of what, we would, what you would call revival breaking out in America. And by 1905, there was a man by the name of William Seymour. How many of you know who William Seymour is? William Seymour was a, uh, he was a one-eyed, 30-some-year-old son of a freed slave. And he was, uh, he, he was a student of a well-known Pentecostal preacher by the name of William Parham. How many of you know who that is? Uh, y'all need to study the great early revivalists. I'll tell you what. And God used William Seymour um, to start what we refer to today as, what's it called? The Azusa Street Revival in California. And the Azusa Street Revival is kind of credited with kind of the spread of the Spirit-filled church in America as we know it today. And there were strong repercussions of these true revival for, for, for decades, and, and we, we really still feel them today. But through that time, you saw different men and women of God beginning to get up. You saw different revivals breaking out, but that began to wane by the 50s and so and 60s. That was beginning to wane. And come into the 60s and 70s, we came into the Jesus movement, right? This was as America had just gone through a couple of world wars and the, and, and, and the civil rights movement and Vietnam and all these different things. And the Jesus movement shakes the nation, right? And so coming into the 80s, Jesus movement was waning. And something new started happening in the 80s, right? And we began to see the beginning of kind of more what we would call the charismatic movement, Right? Any of, you, any of you remember that? Four, that's awesome. And guys, God did great things. I have awesome memories of what God did starting in the 80s um, and, and really up until today. And, and there was a lot of things that happened during that time. Televangelists were on the rise and, and buildings were getting bigger and, and there was a program for everything, anybody that needs to go through anything. Uh, and there was a place to go and there were camps and there were conferences and, and retreats and advances and camp meetings and, and, and promise keepers and marches and everything. The church was visible. Bam. It was on the scene, right? Some really great things happened. 
really, I have incredible memories, things that happen. But now let me get to what I see looking back as we've gone through 2020. I think we've been in a bit of a lull ever since. I think we've been spinning our wheels a bit. I've been a part of so many movements, seen all these, these different movements of God, but I've asked this question over the last few years that I said a few minutes ago. What does God want the church, specifically in America, to look like today? And, and I know, I know the easy answer. I, I know. Some of you are like, well, of course. You want, I, I, I get it. But I think that for a while, for too long, we've been trying to fit into old molds. Does this make sense? I think we've been trying to reproduce old movements and old things and old experiences for a long time. I think that in many ways we look back and we just want God to move the way he did at that youth camp I went to years ago. We just want God to move the way he did in that service that I was a part of or that revival in Toronto or that revival in Brownsville or, or whatever it may be. And so we go to camp meetings and we go to conferences and we go to meetings to get things stirred up, right? And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go to a powerful service or meeting or conference. But I think the problem is when we try to reproduce the past. There's no formula to reproduce the past. And really, those moments, guys, I've got moments. I remember, I remember when I was a kid being in youth camp and, I mean, physically experiencing the presence of God, feeling the rain of the Holy Spirit, seeing the glory cloud. I mean, I've, I've, I've got all kinds. Of, and, but here's reality. We should have those moments in our lives. Those things should happen. We should experience those things. But they should also be monuments in our lives. It's kind of like, and I talked about this in the story last year, every time the children of Israel were desperate for God, I mean, they're, they're locked up in the city, and they're like, dear God, we are surrounded by the enemy. And God say, I hear you, I got this. And they look over the walls of the city, and all the enemy's laying dead. They'd be like, praise God! And then he'd be like, hold up, build a monument. And they'd build a monument. And what did that do? Every time they walked by that monument, they were reminded that their faith was built, and they were like, oh yeah, God's got us. He did it before and he'll do it again. And it wasn't just for them. In, in many places in Scripture, it looks like that monument stands to this day. It was for their children and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren to walk by. And they're going, oh gosh, the Persians are about to attack. And God, what are you going to do? Or my family's a mess. And, and they walk by and be like, my grandfather told me about this monument. Oh yeah, we got to trust our God, right? And I think that's the way that we've got to look at a lot of the moments, the past experiences and the things that we've got. Because we've got to be expecting for the new. For what's ahead. The most moments in our lives need to be monuments, but we don't need to try to reproduce them because when we do, really what we're doing is we're putting God into a box and we're saying, God, I want you to move, but we're only expecting him to do it in the way that he did it before, in the way that he touched us before, in the way that he used us before, and, and we're not allowing him to do something new. It's a new season. It's a new season for the church. It's a new season for you. And, and I, I would present to you that it's time to reexamine everything. Many people are crying out for a new season, a revival, a fresh move of God. And 
<laughs> I don't want to get on a tangent here, but guys, what does revival mean? It means awaken, right? It means awaken. So why do we beg God to awaken us when we're conscious of the fact that we are sleepy and distracted and tired and lethargic? If you were at work and you had a job to get done and you found that, you know what, I just can't do anything, you're just sleepy and you're distracted, what do you do? Hopefully you don't stay sleepy and distracted. Hopefully you get up and you go outside and go for a quick walk. And you take some deep breaths and you go and you get yourself a cup of coffee or maybe an energy drink. And you go, I got a job to do. And you get up off your rear end because that's your responsibility. And you do what you've been called to do. Right? So, are we asking God to wake us up? Is it his job to wake us up? You think father's just standing up there peeking into our room going, mm, I'll let him sleep a little longer. I don't think so. I would present to you that our father has many alarms that have been set for us and they've been going off for a long dadgum time. They have been going off with a vengeance and we've been sitting by going, 10 more minutes, father. Ten more minutes, Lord. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. <laughs> You've seen it with your kids. You can set alarms. You can yell. But they got to make decisions to get their butt out of bed. Right? If you want to see revival in your city, if you want to see revival in this country, you know what the first step is? For you to be revived. Revival isn't something that we go to. Revival is a decision that we make. We choose to be awakened and then to awaken those around us. It becomes contagious. Well, brother, I went to a revival meeting with this anointed man and woman of God, and the glory fell on that place. The glory didn't fall because of that anointed man or woman. It fell because of the hungry hearts that were drawing on the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They were hungry. People gathered together. They were seeking hard. That's why people say, well, man, man our nights of worship are so powerful. I wish we experienced that on Sunday morning. Let's get real. We don't all come to church on Sunday hungry. A lot of us have a mindset, and it's a duty, and it's a responsibility. Oh, we, oh, we hadn't been to church in two weeks. We've got to go to church. Come on, get the family up. Let's go to church. Just being real. But for a person who's willing to go home and take that Sunday afternoon nap and willing to get back up and go, we're going back to church for the night of worship, that's a hungry person. And they're going to come ready, and they're going to come stirred up, and they're going to be drawing on the anointing and on the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God always responds. Right? <laughs> yeah, an incredible revival could start out, right? Could break out right here with our Church of the Harvest family. Absolutely could. It starts with us increasing our hunger and our thirst for the Lord. And he will respond. When we just sit back and ask God to do it for us, we're trying to take the responsibility off of ourselves. We're shifting it over to him, really, is, is, what, we're, is what we're doing. 
Oh, God, when you're ready, like he has a date for revival set on the wall. I, I, don't, I don't think so, guys. I think he's waiting on us. Amen. As I've been thinking this for years, but it came really to light this year. It, it is really time for us to take the limits off of God. And it's funny because I say that and we all have a different idea of what that means. For me, in 2021, taking limits off of God, it means to simplify and get back to the basics. It means surrender. And I, I think back and I think about Christianity, it, it, was, it was so simple and it was so basic in the early church days. And yeah, it was new and, and, and sometimes it was messy and it was a bit chaotic, right? But I think it was the simplicity of it that God used to change the world. It, it wasn't messy, it, it wasn't all jumbled up with, you know, programs and structure and all kinds of things. I'm not saying we don't need structure and things like that. I'm just saying that sometimes I think we've just so complicated Christianity. We've so complicated our faith. The early church, they were all in for God to the point of being willing to lay down their lives. They loved people and they gave to anybody that was in need. We know that they took care of the widows and the orphans. They shared the love of Jesus with their neighbors. They dug into God's word and they prayed. Man, did they pray. They shook prisons, didn't they? They met daily together in their homes and in the temple. They loved God and they loved people. It was that simple. They knew who they were. They knew what they were called to do and they devoted their lives to it. And we should be no different. That's why I've said several times this year, I hope you're realizing more and more that the church is not a location. I hope you saw it in 2020. The church doesn't have walls. Doesn't. You are the church. If we really grasp this concept, if we really understand it, we're not going to be easily shaken if the doors to church buildings close. Or if buildings get taken from Christians, we're not going to be easily shaken because we're going to realize it was just one of our tools that was taken, right? We've, we've got dozens more in our tool bag that God's given us. And, and by the way, it will happen. Buildings are going to close again. Hopefully it's much later than sooner. It's going to happen eventually. Buildings are going to be gone. And I will not be satisfied until the church, especially the family church of the harvest, is ready to truck right on through and not skip a beat, even if that happened. Fulfilling the mandate Jesus called us to. In simplicity, without a building, without programs, without structure, it's all right. It's all right. We love God and we love people. Now, let me backtrack for a second. Is it important that we gather together? We are commanded to. Huge, hugely important. We must gather together. But we can also gather in small groups. We can gather together with another family. We can gather together with another person. And no, it's not ideal, but we can gather over Zoom, right? 
Now, I still believe that with the freedoms that we have in this nation right now, this is still the best format. I think we're doing the right thing. Gathering together for a service uh, corporately, having community groups, serving, teaching, equipping. I, I think this is still the best format right now. I think this is what God has, okay? But things are going to change eventually. We better be ready. We better be. This is one of the reasons why Shauna made the comment about our members meeting. I told Shauna, I told Dad a week or two ago, I said, I kind of want us to quit calling ourselves members. I'm a member of Church of the Harvest. I'm also a member of Costco. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a social club. I, I don't think I told you. I thought about it and prayed about it. I would invite you to be a part of the Church of the Harvest family. I want to have family gatherings, and I want to have family meetings, and I want to have family prayer. I would love for Church of the Harvest to be your immediate family in the body of Christ while you recognize you're a part of a much bigger extended family. Okay, You're a member of the body of Christ. You're a part of the family. But we as Church of the Harvest, we've linked arms together. And we've chosen to be an immediate family that's walking together with like mind and like purpose. Right? Realizing. Realizing that we're not any better than any other part of the family. We've just come together with like mind and like purpose to fulfill God's mandate for humanity. And we've chosen to link arms and walk together and do it. Realizing that we're stronger together than we are separately. There, there's, there's strength in numbers, guys. There is. Y'all going to stick with me? Lord gave me a picture a couple weeks ago. I got this picture of our Church of the Harvest family gathered together under a pavilion. We were all gathered together, linked arms. We're all standing together under this big pavilion like you would see in a park. It was a big pavilion. No walls. Just a covering. See what I'm saying? A covering. A support. A structure. A good thing. Good thing. It brought us strength. We bring together our resources and our ideas and we get trained and we get equipped to accomplish Father's will in the earth. Iron sharpening iron, right? Under a pavilion, body of Christ, our immediate family, under a covering. Guys, we're in the process of reworking the growth track. We want to simplify, we want to clarify things a little bit. And if you will want to join with us, yeah, we're still going to ask you if you want to join with us to make a commitment to the family. It's what family does. We're going to ask you to make a commitment to, to, to serve and support the work of ministry that we're doing here as a family. But guys, it's not enough. Gathering on Sunday for some worship and prayer is important, but it doesn't scratch the surface of what God has for you individually. It doesn't begin to scratch the surface. So, I've got a lot more to say in the next few weeks, if you can't tell. But in closing, let me tell you the word that I heard from the Lord a few months ago when I was seeking direction for the church for 2021, okay? Any any of you guys on version? you already seen my artwork. The word was activated. Y'all know me. I'm going to look up a word. Activate means to make active, to cause, to function, or to act, especially in regard to a military unit, to place on an active status in an assigned capacity. Y'all getting the picture? Wasn't enough for me. I'll dug in a little bit further. I went to army.com. 
Because the first thing I thought of was the military. And there's a page on army.com that is talking about the, it's, it's referring to the army reserves. We've got a few here in the army reserves. Army.com says activation is when an army reserve soldier is called to serve in the army reserves full time. Are they part of the army family already? Yep. They've been activated. They're called now to serve full time. And it went on a couple lines later to say, deployment is when soldiers are moved to a specific area of operations, usually on foreign soil. Guys, are y'all getting it? And, and, And let me say this too. These members of the army or whatever military branch it may be, they've got to surrender, right? They surrender to the plans, to the orders that have been given to them. They have to comply Right? So I would present to you, if you've repented and surrendered your life to Jesus, then you have been activated in a full-time capacity, and you have been deployed on foreign soil. Can you imagine one of our soldiers that has been activated and deployed on foreign soil and refuses to do anything? Puts their gun down, takes a seat. I'm tired. I'm too busy. I ain't got time for this. What have you been activated and deployed to do? As a member of the body of Christ, you've been called to love God and love people. It's the great commandment and the great commission. As a part of the Church of the Harvest family, you have taken up the vision to make followers of Jesus, to equip followers of Jesus, to grow followers of Jesus, to fulfill their God-given purpose in this life. And it starts with you. As leadership, as leadership of this family, we have been given the task of helping equip you to fulfill the work that God has called you to. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We made a few subtle changes by mid-2020. We're going to make some significantly bigger changes in 2021 that I'll talk about in the next couple of weeks. Everything is going to revolve around this. As I said, we're making some changes to the growth track. We're going to make some significant changes to community groups. We're making some changes to Sunday school. And as you heard earlier, we're going to pray. Please come Saturday at 9 a.m. But guys... I will not be satisfied until I know that every family member of Church of the Harvest is changing their world. I want to know that if things changed, like we saw them change last year, trust me, as I've said a hundred times, guys, last year was an inconvenience. Things have not gotten hard yet. I want to know that if Things changed in our government and our building disappeared. Our pastors were jailed. I don't know. Bring it. I want to know that we will still be making, growing, and equipping followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. I want to know that we will still be plundering hell and populating heaven. It's a new season, not because it's the beginning of the year. 
January 1st. It's no different. It's a new season. And I would present to you that it is time to quit resisting. It's time to quit calling out for 10 more minutes. It's time to make, it's time to surrender and make time in our schedule for what God has actually called us to do, called us to be. It's time to quit sleeping and to wake up. It's time to be revived. It's time to hunger and seek after God like never before. So, as I said, this year we are going to fine-tune everything. We're going to fine-tune everything we do as a church family to make sure that we are all ready and equipped to accomplish the work that God has called us to. And I'll continue with the how next week. That work? Who's ready? That's all right. We got better on the second round of the offering. Who's ready to give? Are you guys ready? Let's stand up together. Guys, there were a few words that came forth this morning. Mr. Jerry had a word. And Pastor Bob's word that he got from the Lord was, man, dead on. Even, even got confirmation from Miss Crystal back there. What about that song we just sang, I Will Make Room For You? Dude, no more excuses. I will make room for you. You might need to stop some things in your life. Now, I'm not even talking about blatant sin. I mean, you got blatant sin, stop it. But, but, but guys... You may have too many hobbies and things you enjoy to do that are wasting your time. You might recognize, I, man, I watch too much TV. I watch too much. I, 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 I spend too much time on social media. I see some of you. I'm like, my land's 28 posts today. What in the world? I will make room for you. It's, it's the surrender, guys. It's, it's what it all boils down to. Matthew 6.33, what's it say? Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you, right? It's time to seek first, guys. We have let too many things get in the way. We have let too many things be distractions. The alarms have been going off. The heavenly alarms that God has set, <laughs> they've been ringing for a while our responsibility to get off our dust and do what needs to be done. Amen? Start with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Starts today, guys. Figure out what it is the Lord wants you to do. Maybe he wants you to put away TV and social media. Guys, please pray. Fasting, I love that. Fasting without prayer and seeking God is dieting. I understand you can afford to lose a little weight. Let's listen prayer to it, okay? 
all right. Let's seek God. Get into the Word. Join us on Saturdays as we pray and have corporate prayer together. As Pastor Bob said in his word, go for the gusto. Well, that was the beer commercial. I, I don't know if that was part of the word. But, you know, go for the gusto. I love that, seeking the reward. How many of you remember that from last week? It kind of, it kind of hit me because I, I wrote this down in my notes last week as Pastor Bob, was that last week? Yeah, seeking after the reward. We have been trained, I think specifically in the body of Christ, that it's wrong to seek after reward. That it's like selfish. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We, we've been taught that it's like prideful to seek promotion in the body of Christ. We, we've been taught that we, you know, I, I, I can't buy that nice car because look at what I could have, look at, you know, all these people I could have helped. And we feel bad. God blessed us so we could buy that car that we were wanting. But we can't do it because we're filled with guilt because we won't receive the reward. Does this make sense? We feel ashamed because we've taken time off. We feel ashamed. That's why I could go on and on. <laughs> I read Robert Morris's book last week, Fresh Take the Day Off is what it's called. And he talked about the millions of hours un, that, uh, that Americans uh, have not used in the last year of vacation. Paid vacation days. And they'll just let them go. Guys, we have got to simplify. We have got to eliminate some things from our lives. And we have got to seek first his kingdom. Let's get back to the basics. Love God and love people as number one in our life. Top priority. Nothing else allowed to get in the way. We better pray. <laughs> Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are such a good, good father. We thank you for all the alarms that you have set for us. You're there encouraging us, telling us to, it's time to get up. It's time to make a change. You've, you, you, Lord, you've been telling us that we've been activated and we've been deployed and we refuse to sit by idle one more day, one more moment, one more hour. God, we want to be everything that you've called us to be. We want to see this nation shake again under the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, we are believing, yes, Lord, we are believing for a great move of your presence in the earth, but we recognize, Lord, that it starts with us. And so we take responsibility for that and we choose to be awakened. Lord, show us what that looks like. Lord, we, we, we talk about how it means more desire. Lord, we pray for more desire. I, think, I love how Pastor Bob taught that, that last week, how we can pray for more desire. Lord, I desire to desire. So Lord, we ask for more in Jesus' name that we would seek after you with everything that we have. But Lord, even so, we'll do it even in the moments when we don't feel like it, even in the moments we feel overwhelmed, even in the moments when we're tired. Lord, we will choose to simplify, to put everything else away, and to seek after, to hunger and to thirst after you with all that we are. Lord, we lay aside the distractions, the things that have kept us looking to the left and the right for so long, and we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus in Jesus' name. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, this is your moment. Who in here needs to repent and says, I need the Lord? 
Come on, guys. Anybody in this place would say, I got to get things right. It's a new season, guys. Anybody in this place, put your hand up high. Come on. You would say, I have got to surrender. I've got to get my life right with the Lord. All right. Who else? Come on. I've got to surrender and get my life right. I'm going to ask you to pray with us. And it's as simple as I talked about a minute ago. You repent, you turn from your sin, and you choose, God, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. My life is going to be centered around you and not me from this point onward. That's what it's all about. Accepting Jesus as your Savior. If that's you and you need him, just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I realize that without him, I am lost and alone. But I refuse to walk that way one more moment. Jesus, I need you. I desperately need you. I repent of my sin. I turn from it. I lay it at your feet. And I thank you that you took that sin and guilt and shame. And you took it to the cross. You paid the price. You paid the penalty. And because of that, I can be free. So today, Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my solid rock. When everything in this world shakes, I will not be moved because I stand on you. You're my firm foundation and I will follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, be everything you've called me to. I'll follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.